Genesis 1, 1 and 2. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Now the earth was formless and empty. Darkness was over the surface of the deep, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters. Oh, you guys are funny. We should clap for the word of the Lord, I'd say. Yeah. Father in heaven, as we approach this word today, we recognize that, is, that it is you that is the reason we're even here. So, Father, I pray, by the gift of your Holy Spirit, you would illuminate this word to us today, to our minds, to our hearts, as we give you our attention. We thank you that we are transformed into the very image of Jesus as we gaze upon him. Would we do that well this morning? Thank you, Lord, that that's even a possibility. We thank you. Amen. Amen. Well, um, as we dig in, um, boy, everything's hitting real, real hard today. Um, we're, everybody's okay, by the way. Uh, all the family members are fine. Um, we got out, praise the Lord. Like uh, Nick started out this morning with uh, like God moments that happened. So many God moments. Like we literally got out um, two or three minutes before the entire house was black, thick smoke. You couldn't see or move in there. Um, praise the Lord. All six kids out the door fast. Boom. Good. Gone. Yeah. And the rest is just stuff, so that's okay. Um, but um, it, it hits especially hard when, you, when, you know, I went back to grab, praise the Lord, um, uh, our dressers, they smelled, the clothes in there smelled like smoke a little bit, but clothes are salvageable, so we got some clothes, which is great. Um, and also nice for you to this morning, too. Um, <laughs> the firefighters got to know me real well yesterday. Um, so... Um, where, what was I saying? Oh, I, we went back to get clothes. And you know what? When, when you know God, you just get to worship him. I walked into that house that is just black and smoke and mostly wrecked. And, uh, and um, God's presence is there. And I just worshiped him. I did. He's worth it. He's good. Amen? Amen. Amen. And not, you guys have gone through lots of stuff. It's, we'll, we'll be good because we walk with him. Uh, you know what? We're we're getting into this into this passage today. We're starting in Genesis one. We're starting into a new sermon series. If you weren't here last week, then I'm just going to bring you briefly up to speed. We're getting into a sermon series on the presence of God. Last week we mentioned that um, there's the omni presence of God. God is everywhere at all times. But what we're specifically going to be looking at is the manifest presence of God. When God reveals Himself. And makes himself known to men and women. And how throughout the scripture, God has done this. And also how we are invited to experience his presence. And how that whole relationship works. And so what, what my hope is, is over the next number of weeks, it's going to feel somewhat disjointed. We're going to talk about this piece of God's presence and this piece of scripture and this piece and by the time we're done, it's going to create like this quilt or this mosaic that's going to make 
a beautiful picture. So I encourage you to, I know summer holidays is happening, I just encourage you to catch the messages, listen listen to some. It's This is such a big topic. 40 minutes, half an hour will not do it justice. But um, as we get jumping into today, uh, I was convicted earlier this week, um, and nobody talked to me about this, which you guys are very gracious, but I was convicted this week that last week uh, I opened my mouth and I said some things that I shouldn't have. And I would like to actually apologize for that. I bear the weight of responsibility standing here. And so I'm going to say sorry. Um, last week uh, I had mentioned how um, it was, we shared some testimonies, I mentioned how sometimes I get sucked into can get sucked into a rut of meeting people's expectations, and then I bluntly said, sometimes your expectations suck. Do you remember that? It's kind of harsh, wasn't it? I'm sorry. There was no need for me to say that, and uh, that wasn't fair to you, that wasn't a conversation, I just said that. I love you deeply, um, so I'm sorry. Um, forgive me? Thank you, thank you. Um, I don't want to ever stand up here and abuse this place. Um, but now, as Liz read, Genesis 1, 1 and 2. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was without form and void, and darkness was over the face of the deep. And the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. You can open your Bibles to Genesis 1 if you could. And if you need a Bible, there's some at the back there. Um, and they're even the same translation as I'm using, so bonus. Um, so as we get into this whole idea of being in the presence of God, we start in a place, and we start in the beginning. We start in the very beginning of creation, and we're going to explore today how it's actually always been God's plan that we would be with him, that we would know him, and this creation story in Genesis really brings that out for us. Because last week I had asked the question, and I'm going to ask it again because there's some, I can tell there's people here that weren't here last week. I think we're, we're switching holiday times is what's happening this summer, <laughs> which is good. Um, but I had asked the question, how many of you heard the gospel start out like this? In the beginning, God made all things, uh, Adam and Eve lived with him in the garden. Everything was good and perfect. But then man sinned, and God cast them out of his presence because God can't have sin in his presence. So how many of you have heard the gospel kind of begin that way? Right? Yeah, and most, almost all, everybody raised their hand last week. And actually, that, that just breaks my heart because we start with a fundamentally wrong idea of God. Because God did not, nowhere in there, does it say he cast them out of his presence? Their relationship was broken, is what happened. But what does it say? He comes walking in the garden in the cool of the evening, looking for Adam and Eve. He knows they sinned. He comes looking for them, and it says, the scripture says, they hid themselves from his presence. The very, then, yes, the earth is cursed, and this relationship is broken, and we inherit this curse of Sin, in fact, the scripture says we're slaves to sin. Like we just can't get out of this cycle of brokenness and hiding from God, which makes us then, as we read in Ephesians, children of wrath by nature. That's, that's where we end up. Even though we're children of wrath, the very first story 
that comes after they're out of the garden is the story of Cain and Abel. And Cain offers his offering, and, and God's not pleased, but God is speaking with Cain, like speaking with him. And then Cain kills his brother, and God is speaking with Cain. It's amazing. <laughs> it's, it's quite something. And then in the next genealogy, you see Enoch walked with God, and then it goes to Noah, and he walked with God. God did not leave them. God can have sin in his presence. He is very opposed to sin. But in his grace, he welcomes and is always calling people unto himself on his terms. And so today we're getting into the very beginning of his plan to be with his created people. And so we're going to go through the creation story today. So follow along in your Bibles. Verse 1, in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. And so this is a setup verse that sets you up for what's going to happen for the rest of the chapter. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Everything else after this verse is that happening, okay? The heavens uh, means the sky, like, well, we can't see out these windows, but the literal sky, okay? The sky that you can see and the earth, the land, okay? So, Sky and land, God made all of it. In verse 2, the earth was without form and void. Without form and void. It's, it's so hard to put into words something that our minds can't comprehend, right? Can you, can you understand just complete nothingness before time existed? No, okay, I'm telling you, if anybody nodded, <laughs> good luck. No, you can't. What this verse is saying is there was no order. There was nothing. It was chaos. There was, no, there was no order, and there was no life, okay? Darkness was over the face of the deep. It's like this, chaotic, this picture of like this chaotic ocean, even though oceans didn't exist yet. It's just this picture trying to explain what was happening. Darkness was over the face of the deep. There was, there was chaos, disorder. There was no order, right? And there was no life. It says, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of these waters. So God is there. I want to paint a big picture of God because we're talking about some really holy ground stuff as we talk about approaching the presence of God and being in his presence. I want to paint a really big picture of God. God, when there was nothing, his spirit was always, he was there. We don't hold a candle to this God. This God is amazing and powerful. It says the spirit of God. It's the, it's the Hebrew word ruach. Can you all say ruach? It's this Word which means wind or breath or spirit or presence, okay? So it's like the invisible presence of God, ruach, the spirit of God. God is there. And then he, it goes on and he creates all things 
that we know. Uh, each day of creation, as we see, each day starts with the phrase, and God said. Okay? Each day starts with, and God said. Nothing happens without him. Nothing happens without him saying. And God said. And each day ends with, and there was morning, or actually I think evening is first. Yeah, there was evening and morning that day. So, and God said, boom, all this stuff gets made. And there was evening and morning that day. And so each day, God created for six days. We know this story. God created for six days, and in each day, God is addressing the fact that there's no order and no life. The first three days, he addresses order. And then the last three days, he fills the order with life. It's actually fascinating when we, when we start to get into it. Um, he fills it with life. And day three and day six actually have a bonus <laughs> That's pretty cool. We're going to dig into it. So we see in verses 3 to 5, God said, let there be light, and there was light. And God saw that the light was good. He saw that the light was good, and it separated the light from the darkness. He called the light day, and the darkness he called night. And there was evening, and there was morning the first day. So what God does is, is he creates, he speaks into existence because he is Almighty and all-powerful, he speaks light into existence, and it separates the darkness from the light. And what he's doing is, is he created time. Now you have evening, and now you have morning. He's creating time. He's bringing order to this chaos, this deep water that is dark, right? He's creating the order of time in day one. And day two, in day two, it says, and God said... Let there be an expanse in the midst of the waters, and let it separate the waters from the waters. And then we all went to science class in grade six, and are like, what is he talking about? <clears throat> well, in the ancient world, they, they, the way they thought of the earth is that there was water underneath everything, and then there's this like little space in the middle and there's this like dome that happens where, and then there's water above that. Okay, so there's like earth and sky and water on both sides. Does that, you're following? That's just the way the ancients thought that it was. So what they're doing is they're explaining God separates what was just water and creates this expanse in the middle. And he creates this expanse in the middle. And so what he's doing is there's this waters above and these waters below, and God creates the sky, and he creates the seas. There's water, and now there's sky. He's creating order out of what was disorder. And then on day three, starting in verse nine, God said, let the waters under the heavens be gathered together into one place, and let the dry land appear. And so land comes up, or however it worked. Maybe water went down. I don't know how it worked. Or maybe land just, boom, existed. I wasn't there. I won't pick on any so-called aged people here to ask you. 
<laughs> ben Weeb's not here today. I hope you're watching. <laughs> um, God created land. God made dry land and the seas. God did that. How did he do it? He spoke. And God said, and then it happened. And he called the dry land earth, and the waters that were gathered together he called seas. And God saw that it was good. He saw it was good. And then there's this bonus one. This is day three, right? And there's a bonus one. And something special happening. God said, let the earth sprout veg vegetation, plants yielding seed, and fruit trees bearing fruit, each according to its kind. And it was so. And the earth brought forth vegetation, plants yielding seed according to their own kinds, trees bearing fruit, in which is their seed, each according to its kind. And God saw that it was good. And there was evening and there was morning the third day. So God brings order to nothingness and disorder. God brings order by speaking a word. This is the kind of, he, this is the kind of God he is, all-powerful, all-powerful. Praise the Lord. And then God said, on day four, he said, let there be lights in the expanse of the heavens to separate the day from the night. And let them be for signs and for seasons and for days and years. Let them be lights in the expanse of the heavens to give light upon the earth. And it was so. And God made the two great lights, the greater light to rule the day and the lesser light to rule the night and the stars. God set them in the expanse of the heavens to give light on the earth, to rule over the day and over the night and to separate the light from the darkness. And God saw that it was good. And there was evening and there was morning the fourth day. So now God starts to fill his ordered creation with things. He fills it with, well, he kind of did bonus with the plants there, but um, stars and the sun and the moon to be a sign of his power to separate day and night, to be a, throughout history, sign. It's supposed, those, those, that's supposed to point to God. Have you ever gone out on a starry night? We have a privilege, most of us here, of, of, of being at least in access to some more remote spots, and you can just go outside at night. Do you ever just think, wow, that's not unimpressive when you see those stars? No. It's a, it's a sign. It points to, to his wonder, and it gives us day and night, the sun and the moon, right? And so he's, he's creating. And then on day five, and day five starts in verse 20, God said... Let the waters swarm with swarms of living creatures. Let the birds fly above the earth across the expanse of the heavens. So God created the sea creatures and every living creature that moves which, with which the waters swarm according to their kinds and every winged bird according to its kind. And God saw that it was good. And God blessed them saying, be fruitful and multiply. Fill the waters and the seas and let the birds multiply on the earth. And there was evening and there was morning the fifth day. And so you see on the fifth day, now he fills the waters above and the waters below with life. The birds and the fish and the whales and all of those crazy creatures that make me want to not go swimming. God gives life into that space. He gives life to the order that he created. And then we have day six starting in verse 24. 
God said, let the earth bring forth living creatures according to their kinds, livestock and creeping things and beasts of the earth according to their kinds. And it was so. And God made the beasts of the earth according to their kinds and the livestock according to their kinds and everything that creeps on the ground according to its kind. And God saw that it was good. Then God said, okay, so God said, saw that it was good. So God made animals on the land. He made all the animals, even the creepy ones. <laughs> and he said that it was good. And then here's the bonus. Just like the first three days, these three days end with the bonus. And this is, this is where we want to camp out on a little bit this morning. Then God said, let us make man in our image. You all understand that this means men and women, right? Let us make humans in our image after our likeness and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens and over the livestock, over all the earth and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. And God blessed them and God said to them, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it. Have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens and over every living thing that moves on the earth. That's where we'll stop for now. So God made humans. God comes and he makes order. He creates just out of who, the, who he is in his very power. The spirit of God was hovering over nothingness, chaos and disorder, the deep, the darkness of the deep. God comes and he creates order. And then he goes and he fills that order that he made with life. And he saw that it was good. And he saw that it was good. Every time he saw that it was good. Verse 31, it's fascinating after he makes humans. God saw everything that he'd made, and behold, it was very good. And there was evening, and there was morning the sixth day. Humans were created in the image of God. Humans were created in his image. This triune God, which blows our minds, we can just let mystery be mystery. This triune God, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, who has always been, who created out of nothingness, he creates humans. Let's, let's not use it so distant. He created you and he created me in his image. And every person, every human trafficking victim, every human trafficker in his image. He created them, and he loves them. And they are very, 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 very precious to him. And he saw what he created, and he said that it was very good. He saw that it was very good. And what does he do? But he gives humans authority just like that over everything he just made did you catch that they get dominion over the fish and the birds and all the livestock even over the creepy things 
God made man in his image. In the image of God, he created him. You know, often when we speak of being created in the image of God, and I don't think it's wrong to go here, but often we stop at this place of, it's because we have will and we have mind and we have spirit and all of these things are true, right? But I think if we just read it in the context of, of like biblical language, um, and you think of the, the Hebrews who would have been reading this, what do, you, what do they think of when they think of the word image? Thou shalt not make an image in my likeness, right? An image, an idol. I think it's appropriate to think of this, not, not as, as idol, like we are to be idolized, but and what is an idol? An idol is this little man-made trinket that's, that, that in the ancient day especially, around the world today too, an idol represents a god, right? It represents a god. It's suppo- when you see that thing, you're supposed to... It's supposed to be a good representation, and it's supposed to make you think of the God that it represents, right? Not only that, but demonic idols, which would which they would have had, um, which they would have had experience with, actually carries a power behind it to represent what that idol represents. You are made in the image. Of God, all-knowing, all-powerful, all-loving God. You are not God, but he made you to represent him. He made you to represent him, okay? This is always his plan, was that humans would have dominion and authority, representing God. Who has ultimate authority and say and rule? God. The guy who just said and stuff exists. And then he makes these little carriers of his image to rule and to reign. And his good plan was that our ruling and reigning would be submitted to his ultimate good plan. And he defines good and evil. And he defines what is right and what is true. But he also gives us the choice then to say, I'm going to actually follow what he says or to define for myself what good and evil is. I think you guys know how that goes. Adam and Eve fail and bring a curse upon humanity. And that's why we are here today needing to raise money for various causes. That's why we're here today um, with charred houses, <laughs> and that's why we live in this, this broken age, right? That's why I cry with you when you lose loved ones. That's, that's the world we live in, but that wasn't God's plan. Not only that, but he didn't just kick us out and say, get lost. What happened? I just explained it. We brought a curse of sin on this earth. But God is so willing that you would come to him. Says Noah walked with God. What? Enoch walked with God. To the point where he didn't even die, it sounds like, in the scripture. God just took him. That's pretty cool. (laughs) I just want us to have this picture of God is holy and powerful and awesome, yet so willing to be 
with you. He's terrifying and powerful, and his throne is thunder and fire. And, but he says, draw near to me, and I'll draw near to you. He says, seek me, and you will find me. And, and Jesus was the, the perfect representation of the Father on the earth, and he was tender, and he was kind. And where did he go, and who did he hang out with? Sinners. You guys, and me too. Praise the Lord. That's good news. That's really good news. And so God said that we are supposed to be his image, that he made us in his image. How are we representing his image? I, uh, I read a study last week. Uh, they, did, they often do these big research projects, and they, they look at the state of the church. Um, less than 50% of pastors in North America hold to a b- b- biblical worldview. Less than 50%. That means half of the churches do not hold the Bible as authoritative truth. And the only reason that number is that high is because of the senior pastor. If you take the senior pastor out of the equation, it's... It's more actually around 20% of pastors, not churchgoers, pastors, guys, that actually would say they want to follow this Bible and believe it. I know that sounds shocking, but it's the stats. It's the stats. And so it's curious to me that we have more books than could ever be written. On Christianity. It's curious to me that you can listen to any podcast you want. You should catch up on ours <laughs> if you miss, just because we're a part of the community together here. It's curious to me that we can have all of this resource and yet still just be so far. We need to be in the presence of the Lord to carry his presence with us. And what I see here in the original creation, like I said, there's so much. Stick with this series. I will say this, just in case you don't come back. This is God's original plan, was that people would have dominion and rule and reign with him in perfection and in relationship with him. We've messed it up, but in Jesus, he came to set it straight, and everything was brought back together. In Jesus we find forgiveness. In Jesus, he became sin who knew no sin, that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Now we can boldly approach the throne of God. He's still the same God who can speak and the world exists. He's still the same God who is all-powerful and mighty and fearful, but he's the same God who welcomes you over and over again. And he's looking for those humble hearts. He's looking for those humble hearts. And then he fills us with his spirit because of what Jesus did. He's, he's, up, he's turning it back on itself again. He fills us with his spirit so that we can carry his presence. And we can be, as we read in Ephesians, remember we read the fullness of Christ who fills all in all. That's the church. We get to be Jesus. That's why we pray today. Pray for opportunity to be the hands and feet of Jesus this week.
because that's his plan for you. So when he interrupts your thoughts this week, when you're doing your own thing, and says, go be a blessing to so-and-so, or, or do this, you're going to pay attention, because I just reminded you. Because we're praying he's going to answer that prayer. Because being carriers of his presence, being in his presence, is exactly how he designed us and what he designed us for. I'm going to leave it at that for today, but I'm just going to pray that he continues to open our eyes to this and we have a desire. Let's pray together. Father in heaven, seems crazy to me to even come before you right now in light of what we just read about you creating the world. How could we come before this God? But you're so gracious and loving, slow to anger, rich in love, compassionate. This is how you describe yourself. Father, thank you. Thank you for the blood of Jesus that is setting the curse back upon itself, that you are restoring and redeeming men and women all over the place. I thank you that you are coming back. We pray, come Lord Jesus, because when you do, everything's going to be set right again. No more pain or sorrow, Lord, and we'll continue to rule and reign with you. We thank you, Lord Jesus. I pray that you stir up in us a expectation, more than an expectation, a desire, Lord, to want you more, to actually live in what Jesus purchased on the cross, to live into the design that you have for us, Lord. I thank you that it's so personal and that you love each one so perfectly. So, Lord, as we go this week, I pray that you would interrupt days in order to send us out to be a blessing. Jesus, you said it's more blessed to give than to receive. I've seen it over and over. But, Lord, isn't it the, isn't it the way, Lord, that we just... It's against how we naturally feel. Lord, free us from that. Show us your truth. Lord, we want to live in your presence. We want to be carriers of your presence. And we thank you that you invite us. Lord, I pray that you break down false ideas of it's hard to even think of coming to you. You're so welcoming. Yes, we sin, Lord, but thank the Lord that in Jesus there's forgiveness. And we can come. Thank you, Lord. Amen. Amen. Well, I'm just going to conclude, actually, with this, and then I'm going to send you out. Um, the seventh day. Thus the heavens and the earth were finished, and all the host of them. So God finished his work. On the seventh day, God finished his work that he had done, and he rested on the seventh day from all the work he'd done. So God blessed the seventh day and made it holy, because on it God rested from all his work that he had done in creation. The seventh day, God doesn't say or create anything, and there was no evening and morning on the seventh day. God's plan was to create humans in his image, to create order and life on the earth, 
and set into motion this life of rest and dominion and work and relationship with the Father that would continue. There, there, that wasn't supposed to end that part. That's what, that's, that's what I think about that passage. There wasn't a, an end to that day. It was supposed to keep going. And God, how does it describe when, we, when, when Jesus can come back? Come enter into my rest. One day we will rest with him and work. But there's going to be a, a rest in that work as we walk in the new heaven and the new earth with our Lord. That's good, hey? <laughs>